All right, it is Wednesday here for Lawyer Talk. It is a Blitz Wednesday, so we expect to interface with the Blitz here shortly. We got Jared in the studio. Brett with Circle 270 Media could not make it. The exchequer, he's out for a few weeks anyway. He's uh, He is on leave, we'll call it. Uh, but uh, we will get right to it because the Blitz is ready now. Hey, Steve, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Hey, so I got this really weird, uh, and by the way, if anybody wants to get on the line right now to ask any legal question, it's absolutely free, 821-9970, Steve Palmer from Yavich and Palmer on with us each and every Wednesday. Yeah, I got this random email, and I, hey, it's kind of open-ended. I, I don't really think uh, necessarily this applies to anyone, but just a question. If you were to commit a heinous crime and your sentence is life, could you plea for the death penalty? You, need, you mean if you're serving a life sentence, could you ask them, hey, just just kill me instead? You know, it's like the I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Like if they say, hey, yeah, your 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 sentence is life in prison. You're like, wait a second here. I I would rather have the death penalty. Can I have a plea uh, to to try to do that? Uh probably not. Uh, now there is you, you can take matters into your own hands if they if you get an opportunity. In other words, you could uh, you could try to kill yourself, but. Sure. Now, if the law doesn't provide for the death penalty, then you're not going to get the death penalty. That's sort of how it goes. Didn't Timothy McVeigh say he wanted to be put to death, but then he actually was sentenced to death. So that all went well for him, I guess. Yeah, that was an easy one. Uh, That death penalty, (laughs) you know, the death penalty applied to him. So that's uh, that that worked out. I mean, it, it did apply and he was cool with it, or at least that's what I think. Uh, but if you if you're convicted of a crime that's life in prison, a lot of times that doesn't necessarily mean life. Sometimes it means like thirty to life, twenty to life, eighteen to life, fifteen to life. There's different versions of that. But um, if it doesn't carry the death penalty, they're not going to give it to you. All right, we have a question here uh, again via text. Yes. Okay. So this internet provider has sold me and have been charging me for internet. Okay, two hundred. I don't know what this means exactly. Two hundred for four years. I have an appointment Friday. I was told over the phone that I may live in an area that can't get the two hundred speed. All right, I'm oh, supposed like two hundred megabytes. I'm maybe. supposed to have two hundred, and my speed is twenty nine point nine. Yesterday, it got up to fifty nine nine. Should they be reimbursing me for charging me for something they can't provide? I think, heck yeah, they should be. I mean, if you're paying for a service they're not providing and they knew they couldn't provide it and they signed you up for it, then I'd be making that claim. I'd go back two years, figure out what the difference in the billing was and say, pay up. I feel that. All right, 821-9970, 800 All right, uh, question for Steve. What is the statute of limitations on rape charges like the one on Bob Dylan? Oh, yeah, that's a good question, and- actually. Is it Horatio Sands? Yeah. Yes. Horatio. All right. This is an all depends question. Uh, A lot of times the the statute of limitations is uh, it shifts based on how old the alleged victim was at the time. Sometimes it'll start ticking off uh, when the the alleged victim reaches the age of majority. Sometimes in other states, I think there are no statute of limitations on that stuff. Uh, it, It has to do in all likelihood with the uh, discovery of the crime and the age of majority of the alleged victim. So I'm not aware of what's going on with Bob Dylan. I guess I've been too tied up on the other news, but if uh, I'd be happy to take a peek at it and I'll, I'll, I'll put some content out either on my website or blog about it. But uh, generally you got to watch out for statute of limitations in cases like that. Uh, they can sneak up on you. They aren't as uh, definitive and obvious as other types of crimes. All right, here's one from Grove City. Uh, the company I work for is requiring my boss to be fully vaccinated against COVID by the end of September. 
or he loses his job. We are not even remotely in the healthcare industry. Is this legal? So he's got to be fully vaccinated or he loses his job. I mean, here's the thing on this. There's lots of legal opinions uh, sort of shifting around out there. You know, on on the far, far extreme, people would say, well, it violates uh, the Nuremberg Code. Or uh, on the other uh, other extreme, they're saying, well, if it's completely libertarian, why should we care what employers do? Just go get a different job. I think this is going to turn more on liability if somebody gets sick uh, or has a problem as a result of the vaccine. Uh, so say the worst case scenario, you're forced to get a vaccine to keep your job. You do that, you get sick. Yeah. Um, I think the employers are going to get sued for that. And I think it'll also turn on another issue uh, that comes up quite often in employment type litigation, and that is reasonable accommodations. Is there an accommodation that can be made? In other words, uh, if you're not vaccinated, uh, even taking all their concerns as, as true, uh, can they find a different way for you to work and keep yourself and everybody else safe, even per their restrictions or their uh, beliefs in what's going to happen? So uh, that might be working at home. It might be finding you, uh, you know, the classic office in the basement. It might be uh, some other hybrid of that. But uh, I would start with reasonable accommodations and, and work backward from there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of this litigation coming. And, you know, I, I don't know what exactly is going to result from all the vaccinations, whether they're, uh, you know, injecting us with uh, harmful uh, nanoparticles that are used to control us like robots later or whether they're true vaccines that actually work or whether there's something in the middle. I'm guessing there are people who just aren't going to respond well to the vaccine, have side effects that others won't. Uh, and how that shakes out, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't want to be a robot, that's for sure. Jody, what's up? How are you? I'm doing good. Good morning. Uh, I had a question. Uh, I work with a, a woman has an 18-year-old uh, daughter in college. And a few younger girls live in a house up the street from me. And the woman called, uh, worried about her daughter, said that somebody broke in their house. So I went down there to check on them, and I literally caught the person in a, uh, a robbery, you know, kept them there till the law got there, and signed a statement saying that I caught her. And we've checked, and the girl... And the guy has not been arrested and put in jail, and they actually caught him there. Is there any like reason that you could think of of why the why the people hasn't been uh, apprehended? Yeah. So let me see if I understand this. You went over to a friend's house and or somebody's house because there was a tip that there was uh, there was a problem there. You caught burglars in the act and kept them at yeah. bay. How'd you detain them? Like, yeah, like, how'd you just, like, what was your method? So, I had a club. Oh, yeah? And I went in, and uh, they went into another room upstairs, and so I I didn't have a a gun on me, but I just, I I started yelling at them that I was going to start putting holes in the wall. Like, get on out of here. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) But, and then, so, (laughs) I had them call 911, and uh, I stayed where they couldn't have got down the steps. And so the law came and arrested them for, they said the charge was going to be aggravated burglary. I signed a statement, like the girl, like, you know, everything. And I've checked, called down there, and the the, the two individuals still have not been, uh, I don't even know how they got out after the cops arrested them, put them in the, uh, the cruisers. I feel but, your anger, though, because, like, you, you feel like you're doing something for your neighborhood. 
You're out there just trying to be a good guy. You're chasing these bad guys around. Yeah. You're like, I want to see some benefits of this chase. Well, you Where's have to the be, jail time? You need to be doing more than <laughs> the people. The like, you're like, I caught him for you. Now yeah. do something. Do what you do. Exactly. What happened, Steve? Yeah. Well, let me yeah. just, let's first make sure you're looking in the right place. I mean, if they were arrested that night, they would have been charged by way of a criminal complaint probably in the municipal court. I don't know if this happened in Franklin County, but if it did, it would be in the Franklin County Municipal Court. And that's a criminal complaint. You could look it up at fcmcclerk.com and put in the names and see what they were charged with. And then the other thing that's going to happen is soon that would that they, they could get out on bond the next time court convened. And then they're, at some point in the future, if not directly, they will be indicted in common police court. So sometimes there's a gap. Sometimes there's a, a time lapse between when the case is actually dismissed in municipal court and then re-indicted in common police court. And it looks like nothing's happening, but it's just in the stack of some prosecutor's office whose job it is to go present these cases to the grand jury. So there may be more going on or at least something going on. Uh, you just, we don't know yet, but start with those searches. And then, uh, you know, I have lots of clients who are in that, uh, that no man's land of not indicted yet. We check twice a week and try to make sure we catch it if and when they do get indicted. And you could do the same with these folks. And the, the, the second search, by the way, would happen at the Franklin County Court of Common Pleas Clerk. So, all right. Hey, awesome, thanks. Man. I, I appreciate the tip. I'll look into that. I appreciate y'all. Hey, Jody, thanks. I appreciate you listening, thanks, man. Jody. We have a, another listener here on text that needs help. What, what are they saying, Rick? Says, I heard that my employer cannot be sued for my actions while at my place of employment if I have a concealed handgun license. Is this true? I'm trying to convince my employer to let us carry on the job. Uh, it, 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 that's like one of those questions. Like, it's such a, there's so many possibilities baked yeah, into like, that question. Where do you question. work at, man? <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, you know, here's the thing. If you, I've had people call me about uh, their job is cool with it or their employer is cool with it, but they, it, they lease space in a posted building that says they can't even go in the building with a, with a firearm. So those issues get sort of dicey. And now as far as whether the employer could be sued for something you do while at your job with your gun, you know, I think, you know, I could say generally that may be true, but there's probably specifics where uh, it may not be true. And I would, um, I, I guess what I would do is I, I would need to know more. And, and there, there are people I work with and even I can help answer this question. It just takes more information than the context of, uh, of this text or this program. So give me a shout, 614-224-6142. All right, Steve Palmer with us each and every Wednesday. Steve, uh, we appreciate you. I know that you are over there like doing a million things. You have a blog, you have a podcast, and everybody can catch up with everything that you're doing, uh, all the content. Uh, which website? Well, there's a couple different websites they can go to. If you need any legal help at all, just take out your phone, put the number in, 614-224-6142. But the law firm website, ohiolegaldefense.com, check out the podcast at lawyertalkpodcast.com. Submit questions, give us a shout, and uh, we'll try to get you answered. My guy, Steve Palmer, thanks so much, brother. Hey, thank you. All right, so the Blitz wrap-up, you know, now what do we have? Like three weeks in a row, I think I have questions about COVID and employer and mandates. They're back. They disappeared for a while. And now they're back. It, it's going to keep coming. I listened to a, um, I'm not going to mention names because everybody's got a conspiracy theories about everything, but uh, I've lis- I, I listened to some lawyers talking about it. Uh, I've not done any of my own sort of uh, what I'll call real legal re- research on it. But my answer was basically what, I, what I've learned is that there's going to be some pushback on this. And uh, 
you know, whether I think at the worst case scenario for employers is if they mandate it, they're probably going to be assuming some liability for things that happen as a result of it. And someone's like, I don't want to get the shot. Well, if you want your job, you get the shot. And it's like, well, I like my kids in my house. So I guess I'll keep the job. I'll take the shot. Yep. And then there's the complications. It's like, look, I told you I didn't want it. You forced me to have it. Now I'm bedridden or whatever happens. It's on you. So it's on them then. Now they're going to say, wait a minute, you could have just left your job. And uh, they may be right about that. Well, not the employer. Well, the the employer could say, look, I gave you a choice to work here. You got to get the shot. You don't want the shot. Don't work here. No big deal. Yeah, but they were saying he got the shot. I know. But he's sick now. Now now they're still going to play that like you could have quit. The employer is going to say you could have just quit. You didn't have to do it. Um, Uh, And, and, you know, this sort of tickles my libertarian ideals because on the one hand, I do not think that the government should be mandating private employers or, or coercing or pressuring or doing anything for private employers to force their employees to get the shot. I think that's business of the private employers. Um, and leave aside for a second the governmental entities, like uh, if you work for one of the gazillion state departments or administrative departments in a state or federal level. But on the other hand, if they, it, 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 you know, if the employer is going to decide to do it on their own and the employee has complete autonomy to say, screw you, I'm not going to do it. Um, I sort of think, well, just go get a different job. Here's where that breaks down though, is when there's too many employ when all the employers are mandating the shot because of governmental pressure and it doesn't have to be direct. It could be very subtle. It could be, uh, it could be just the threat of not getting funding or loans or whatever, or some regulatory threat, on some unrelated level that they don't even want to come close to running a foul of government intervention right now because business is so tight as it is. So I, I don't know, man, it's, um, to me, the government is the root of all evil. It always has been and always will be. That's, that's just, just a problem. Yeah. And that comes down in the private sector. I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know what to say about all this. You know, I got I got my one manager's got kids in a school and they went to a school board meeting and they said, you know, mask will not be mandated. Within 24 hours. They changed it. Yeah. You know, I mean, 24, 48 hours, he told me too, and, and his kids have he's got one boy with autism has a real problem with the mask. Like I remember when he's, he's gotten better. young. I mean, like they would cut his hair during the sleep because he would freak out if he saw, you know, what I mean, and so. He, he, he has a real problem with it. And he told his son, don't worry about it. This year, you don't have to wear the mask. He was like, and then within X amount of hours, I had to go back and tell him, oh. You got to wear it. I was lying to you. But it's like, Dad, you just told me. You know, again, whenever you're old, eight years old or something like that, you don't. Uh, no. He's just, not even eight. That just sounds like it's unfair. Like, yes. What are you doing? You know, you told me no, and that's like another tantrum. And I don't. I, and he feels like it's unfair. The parent. It is unfair. He's like, I just went to the school board meeting. I was there. Yeah. It's. Uh, I, I got to tell you, man. And then instead of telling it to our face, they they say, oh, it's all good, and then email us. And then in lockstep, the American Association of Pediatricians, whatever that group is called, they say, oh, it's no big deal that kids can't uh, see faces. We don't need that. There's no. They, you know what? They, they always say it this way. There's no studies to reflect that kids, infants, growing young adults need to see facial expressions of other adults. There's no studies that say that that's necessary or even harmful if they don't. Yeah, well, no crap, right? Because nobody's take, ever take thought a, to do it. Take a child with speech impediment. 
or, or difficulty with their speech. You bet, yeah. Uh, you hearing loss. I mean, no matter what, you learn how to by watching lips too. Yeah, lip reading. I mean, think about it. Isn't it kind of amazing how a child is born and then learns to speak? Yeah, the, and I would love to hear the speech pathologist viewpoint on this, honestly. Uh, anyway, but now all of a sudden the pediatricians, docs, they say no big deal. There's no studies that say it's a big deal. It's like, yeah, who would think to study that? <laughs> who would think to study? Let's take a generation of kids and deprive them of the opportunity to see other kids' faces and other adults' faces as they grow up and learn communication and uh, personality. I, I, I it, 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 let's just say this: it seems like a very reasonable hypothesis that is worthy of uh, not disregarding. Did I say that correctly? It's a reasonable hypothesis that is worthy of t- of respecting that kids need to see faces of adults and other kids regularly in their developmental stages. But not in our world these days. I need to see it. I, well, right. I can't stand it. And and look, th- this is the problem I have with vaccines. It's the problem I have with masks. It's the problem I have with all this nonsense that it's good for the whole, so everybody has to do it with a complete, utter disregard for somebody like uh, who has an autistic child and the struggles they're dealing with. And in every other context, they seem to think that uh, the minority position, whatever that would be, is the most important. But in this one, it's the least important. This is the problem with collectivism. Always is. It just is uh, the individual. Like, it, it, it again, I'm no, I'm no doctor. I don't have a, lab, a, labo, a laboratory to test uh, everything chemically on these vaccines. But it just defies reason to me to say that it is universally good for everybody and there are no side effects on anybody. It also defies reasoning to say it is universally bad for everybody and um, uh, everybody has side effects. Somewhere in the middle has got to be the truth. And it's not the fact that uh, – I guess it's not the fact that uh, uh, there are side effects that bothers me. It's the fact that they won't even suggest, look at, acknowledge anything that could be – uh, that that challenge the side effects of those vaccines, even from people who have had them, and say, "Look, I had the shot, and here's what happened." Uh, and I don't think it's it, what you've done is you've crammed everything into this position where it's an all-or-nothing game, and in those kind of games, uh, there's no winner. I mean, it just is. Uh, it, people go crazy. So. They go crazy, robbing houses. Got to get the neighbor to come over with a bat. How about that guy, man? I wanted to give him like balls of the year award, man. You go into a house where there's burglars. He sounded like he sounded like a uh, uh, he he sounded like a hillbilly, didn't he? How he that guy? I mean, or or I don't. I mean, he any. <laughs> I I didn't understand the story, but to my taking, it was something about he's got a neighbor, she's got a college student. I don't know if there was a group of college students. So I I don't know where he was at either. I don't know the location. Matters. You know what I mean? It could have been Grove City. It could have been campus. Could have been Clintonville. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know where he was at. I mean, is it like? But he said there's a. You know, I mean, a, a, there's a group of of young girls that live together. Uh, mother said that there's something. I don't know. If, I don't know how he he got the call though. Something's going on down. Yeah, we go check on him. We go check on him. So he goes into a house and encounters. He doesn't know who's there. He just uh, he sees or he hears or sees people sort of scurrying up the stairs and lock themselves in a bedroom. Um, and I guess that would tell you something that you know you're reasonably. Uh, safe for the moment because they've run away from you and hidden. But uh, on the other hand, to have the wherewithal 
to come up with a threat that he did. I'm going to start putting holes in the wall. And all he's got is a quote club or a ball bat or something. <laughs> it's like, I've had, like, I, I'm no police officer and I'm no trained tactician. I have had to sweep my house one time where I thought somebody was in there. You know, I heard something that I had no explanation for. And, um, it, it just didn't, I could not come up with a reason for that noise I heard except for somebody's in my basement. And it was an unfinished, dingy, old house basement at the time that was that was sort of catacombed out with different rooms. And I had to, and with a bunch of boxes and storage, I had to go through and and sweep it and look for stuff or look for people. My heart has never raced faster or harder or pounded more out of my chest. I have never been so afraid. I mean, it, it was just like this rush. And I did it anyway. But uh, it, at first, it gave me a lot of respect for what police officers do. But secondly, it gives me respect for what this dude did. I mean, he knows there's people in the house and and stuck around and sort of held them at bay with not a weapon, really, but a threat of one. I mean, a, a club's a weapon, but not against guns. Yeah, it doesn't sound like, sound like they're just cat burglars. Yeah, there are kids probably screwing around. But yeah. uh, that's what I did. Now, if he knew going in, looks like a couple of her friends are in the house or – you know, it's some teenagers on a panty raid or something, you know, that's a whole different game. But, uh, that, uh, but he said he held him and he watched him get escorted off in cruisers. He stuck around, gave a story, did the whole nine yards. Signed out, you know, filled everything out. And, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Should have said, give me a call. Let me look it up. Let's see where they're at. Yeah. But, um, yeah, hopefully, but he sounded like he took your advice. Hopefully, uh, he wrote it down and he goes to the sites he needs to go to and he looks into it and, I guess. I mean, can you can you call the police? Can you go down the police station? Yeah, he could probably call the police and, and just be like, "I filled out a report. I signed it. I'm curious to see where this case goes." They should at least be able to direct them. They may or may not. They may say it's an ongoing investigation, okay. so public records aren't going to permit it. But it does bring up a question I get all the time, and you know, in, in our county, we call it a future. Um, and people say, "Well, I got a future," and uh, I don't even think they realize what they're saying because that's just sort of the vernacular. But uh, the procedure is sort of odd. It's like if you commit a felony and you're arrested for a felony, in theory, in order to be charged with a felony, one of two things has to happen. Uh, the most common thing that people perceive this day and age is that uh, there's a grand jury that convenes and they vote, yay or nay. We're going to indict or not indict. And in the old days, if you, if you sort of go back to the Wild West, I mean, there's an old, um, I think it was, uh, I think it might have been, uh, not Rooster Cogburn. What's the one before that? The old John Wayne movie. There was a prequel to Rooster Cogburn. What's it? Anyway, where in the beginning there was a, they had a preliminary hearing because what they wanted to do was uh, they arrest somebody, they bring them to court, and they, they decide whether or not they're going to set a bond to release this person. If they don't set a bond and they're held, they're held until the grand jury can be convened to indict. There's a time frame on that, and if they're held too long, uh, they have to be released. They have a certain period of time to get it done. Um, so what they came up with is a procedure called a preliminary hearing where a judge in municipal court can hear some evidence and determine, yeah, there's enough evidence here. There's probable cause. I'm going to bound this person over or bind this person over, and they can be held until we can get a grand jury, and that's almost then, – then it goes on longer. Um, but if they don't do a full-blown preliminary hearing, and there's only been one in Franklin County that I know of in my entire career, and that was the highway shooter case, um, if they don't do a preliminary hearing, they dismiss the case for a future indictment because our grand jury is so tied up 
that they can't get them in in time. And at times, too, they'll release them waiting for that, also thinking, well, we've got them for these, this robbery, burglary. Yep. Maybe we can tie them to three more. And they start investigating. They start investigating. Yep. Let, them, let them run around. Let them talk. Let them, let them feel comfortable. Yep. Maybe they'll rob again. <laughs> or, you know what I mean, maybe we can tie them to a, a chain of, 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 of crimes that have been going on to where instead we're just charging them with one, we can be like, yes, we're, we're, we got them here, but we believe that this, this, and this was also them doing. Yeah, we got some more investigation to do. They might be waiting on lab reports for things like DNA and say a rape or a murder case. They might be waiting on ballistics reports. They might be waiting on uh, uh, just the timing of the grand jury. Sometimes... We dismiss case we by meaning the the defense is totally cool with this with the police and the prosecutors because we've got the snitch and it looks like the case was dismissed for a future indictment and then it goes to snitch land where they're providing information where they're talking and uh, there's no case so it doesn't look bad you know it's like there, there's all sorts of reasons why that case may not be on the radar screen yet uh, and there's plenty of reasons why it will be soon so it, it would. And I guess it's possible, I suppose, that they just talked to these people and they had a colorable defense. Well, I mean, I know the owner and here she gave me the keys and told me I could go in. And then they go talk to the owner and they're like, she's like, well, I did give them the keys, but I didn't mean they could do all of that. In other words, the case might be weak. So they just said, you know what? This is stupid. We're not going to charge it. I get that sometimes in cases like ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend going in the house when the new girlfriend or boyfriend is there causing a ruckus. Sometimes that can be resolved through uh, informal mediation, for lack of a better way to put it. But anyway, I still give that guy, you know, the balls of the year award for going in, thwarting a burglary with a club, using a bluff, and waiting for the police to arrive. His assault club? His assault club. He probably had an assault club. The old billy club. That's two weeks in a row we got to talk about billy club. Um, All right, what else did we get? I'll, t- I'll tell you what, the small one there on the, the phone or the internet. I was just going to say the internet <clears throat> provider. Uh, I mean, we've called in before to the cable company. If our cable's down for like eight hours, mm-hmm. I'll call up and be like, I want credit. They'll give it to you. Yeah. That's why I said, they were, I, like, I think people were waiting on me to give like more information. I was like, no, just go ask. They'll, they'll probably, they'll yeah, probably they'll pay probably, you. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably give it to you. Now, they, if you don't ask, they're going to keep billing you. Oh, yeah. They're happy to bill you. They're happy to take the cash. I've, and there's uh, there's a lot of people that don't ask. I I don't because I don't ever think about it or I know something look I, I sometimes I don't even know. But that's true. I know my dad, you know, you remember where we used to grow up and I, I it was the 90s anyway before we had cable out there. And man, he would get pissed off if the cable went out and he would call those people like he got so many credits on the cable because it was so sketchy that uh it was almost free for him. And I think he liked it. <laughs> I think he, 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 he gripes all the time. This is, this is robbery. I, it's, you know, if they're doing this to me, imagine what they're doing to everybody else out there. I'm not going to tolerate it. And then he's on the phone for two hours. And I just think, you know, dad, you spent 10 hours monkeying with this problem and it's on. Can't can just let it go. No, because they're doing it to everybody. So he's taking on the cause, but yeah, they could probably call and I'll bet you they get reimbursed. That's my, and if they don't, then you got some issues. I wonder how many people we could sign up on a class action. Start knocking on your neighbor's door. Was your was your cable out? Was, are you getting billed? Are you getting billed for something? You're only getting twenty nine. You're supposed to get two hundred. Yeah, that's a possible lawsuit. I guess I should have told him to call me. Hmm. Hmm. Oh well. 
All right. What else did we have? The heinous crime, life versus death. This is that's an interesting question, you know, and that was uh, Loper asking me, if you got sentenced to, to life in prison, can you just request the death penalty? There's an old Springsteen song called Johnny 99 where uh, he just says, put me on the execution line. I can't do it. Uh, you got 98 in a year. But anyway, uh, you can't. I mean, they're not going to just kill you. The idea is to punish you, and that's <clears throat> what they want to do. You could always kill yourself or kill somebody in prison. You could probably orchestrate your own execution. Yes. Yeah, you could. You could. You. I mean, look, I've never been to prison, but you could probably pay somebody. Or oh, or I'm sure to to take you out because if you're doing life, you're going to be with other people who are doing a similar sentence. What do they got to lose? Yeah. Other than their own life, and maybe they want the same thing. That's like a mass suicide. <laughs> Here, you kill me, then you'll get life in prison, and while you're waiting, you can kill him. Yeah, and it's so on and so on. So yeah, that's uh, there isn't a way to do it. Now the other thing though that's you know when people say life, as I said on the air, it's like it doesn't always just mean life. Sometimes there's a possibility of parole baked into that, and in fact, almost always there is, unless you hear it said differently. And I'm not talking about what you hear on TV. I'm talking about what you hear in your sentence. So if somebody says uh, it's life uh, without the possibility of parole, then that's what it means. We call that LWAP, life without parole. Uh, but most of the time when you hear life in prison, you look at the statutory sentencing schemes and it's like 30 to life, 25 to life, 20 to life, or 15 to life. And so. a lot of times too, even if it's, uh, you know, I mean, this one reaches the death penalty, which just means the prosecutor can go for the death penalty. They don't have to. They don't have to. They don't have to go for the death penalty. They can, you know, I mean, there's a lot of cases I'm sure that could go for the death penalty, which they don't go for it on uh, for whatever reasons. Yep. And uh, then also, you know, a lot of times the jury will be like this guilty. Now they got to go again yep. to go forward with the death penalty. It's a two step process. Yes. There's a, they call it the guilt phase and the penalty phase. Yeah. And uh, penalty phase is isn't that normally just left up to the judge unless it's death penalty, or is it a lot of times is it left up to the jury as well? Only in death penalty cases That's what I thought. is it a jury decision in Ohio. I think there's some other states that may do it differently, but in Ohio, sentencing decisions are always left to the judge. And, and not only that, we're not allowed to tell the jury during the trial what could happen because they say that could influence the outcome. That's always bugged me because I think. <clears throat> You know, it should be out there. If you're on the fence about what to do, and somebody's going to do life in prison, if you just say guilty, and and with a with like a small little twist in your own mind, it would have been not guilty. You know, I don't know. Now, prosecutors, I'm sure would argue that to the death, no pun intended. But uh, but in a death penalty case, we have these two phases. You have the guilt stage, and then the penalty stage. And you know, it's a, it's a hard thing because when you pick the jury, you have to actually stand up there and pick the same jury for the guilt phase as you would for the penalty phase. So you're talking to jurors as if your client's convicted. So if this guy's convicted, would you guys vote for life? You know, and I don't like that. I, I don't like a s presuming guilt. And so you, I stand up there and I'm just like, look, I, this is sort of like putting the cart before the horse here. It, you know, they want me to get up here and see if you guys are going uh, to vote to kill this guy. And I'm here to tell you, I don't think you should vote to convict this guy in the first place. Now, who's got some thoughts on that? And you get people going a little bit. But uh, in Franklin County, when I started practicing back in the 90s, there was, and this went on for a good 10, 15 years, it seemed like there was almost always at least one, maybe two death penalty cases cooking in the system, either <clears throat> being tried, ready to be tried, or uh, lawyers were working them up and appointed. In fact, every lawyer in town got 
uh, we call it rule 20 certified where you could take the appointment to do a death penalty defense. And now I haven't heard of one in years. And I think it's just one, the expense and two, they weren't, jurors weren't voting to, to, uh, for death. They just weren't. Um, but now, you know, Delaware County, different story. I think they got one up there now, um, and some other counties, but around here in Franklin County, I haven't seen a death penalty case in a while. And I, I think for good reason, I think it's a, I got some thoughts on a death penalty, not necessarily for me. Should we impose death or shouldn't we impose death? That's not the question. It's how possibly one can you choose when to do it? So what I mean is the law gives a lot of discretion to the prosecutors. Like when do you ask for like, this guy killed two people, this other guy killed two people, but on this one, you're going for the death penalty on this one. You're not, that's a very tough, that's a tough thing to square for me. And then, I do not believe in the accuracy of the system sufficiently that the death penalty is, is a good outcome. So any death penalty debate I've ever been in, it sort of presumes accuracy in the guilt phase. And, you know, talk about something permanent. If you're going to kill somebody, you sure as heck better be sure you're right. And there's too many exonerations well, for that. that. And that's pretty easy whenever you catch them like, Right there, red-handed. I mean, sure. you've you've got them. You've got them. Right. I mean, you've got them. <clears throat> and that's why a lot of these, you know, a lot of mass shooters end up doing, you know, I mean, self-inflicted wounds. They end up killing themselves. Yeah, they'll they, kill a handful of people and then they take themselves. They make it easy. Um, but you know, then then I, I've thought about this. Can you assess whether to go for a death penalty sentence based on the strength of the evidence and the guilt side of it? And that's to me, that's just an impossible standard because I've had it is. I, I, you know, I can say when I was younger, a lot younger, I, mean, I was like pro death penalty, and then then I'm talking like probably teens, early twenties. But then the more I started learning of how everything worked, yeah, it's not. I was so. kind of like, uh like I say, sometimes when you get them red-handed, you know, uh, I, I it, like I guess I would say morally speaking. I don't necessarily have a problem with the death penalty. I, and I do, I do criminal defense for a living. And that is why, practically speaking, I have a huge problem with it. Because doing criminal defense for a living, I have fought against government my entire career. And I am here to tell you it is flawed, just like anything else. Any other human endeavor can be flawed. Um, prosecutions can be flawed. And you don't even have to take my word for it. Just go look at all the exonerations that have occurred throughout the years, either through witnesses coming forward and say, I just flat out lied. Now through DNA and other forensic evidence can disprove uh, allegations. A lot of those kind of cases turn on eyewitness identification, which is just inherently troubling. Um, you could have nefarious prosecutors who have buried exculpatory evidence. And, you know, everybody who's watched Dateline or any of those shows and knows that that happens. And, you know, so it's, it, to me, it's like you, you can't presume accuracy in the system. And if you can't presume accuracy in the system, then how can you ever impose a death penalty? And then you'd have to say, well, only when we really, really know they're guilty. And to me, that's an impossible standard because who's making that decision? And so anyway, that's my thought on a death penalty. I don't know how we even got off on oh, the life in prison question. Yeah. Is that all the questions? I feel like we're missing one. Uh, we are. We had a... Um, what was it? The, the last thing we talked about. Oh, the gun on the premises. Oh, yeah. So this is like, is it, I think what this guy was asking, he's got a permit to carry a concealed handgun. And that his employer doesn't want him to carry at work. 
And he is arguing, well, look, it's not like you're responsible for what I do with my gun while at work. And and he's saying, so therefore you should let me carry the gun. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, Now, there's all kinds of assumptions here that we don't know about. What is his job? Is he on the road? Is he in an office? Where does he go to? Yeah, I mean, it, we don't know what his dog is. Is he a dog walker? Does he want to know if he can put the right. guns on his dogs? Yeah, that's uh, right, isn't it? <laughs> it? But it's like, to me, there's a lot of reasons why as an employer, you may not want somebody to have a firearm uh, while they're at work. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you may not care, but uh, there, there are legitimate ones that go beyond necessarily what the liability is. And let's just say I hire you and I know you have a gun on you every day and you have a right to carry it. Um and then you go off the rails one day and just start shooting my other employees. It's like, all right, am I going to be responsible for you shooting my employees? It's not like I'm going to jail unless I knew that you were going to do it and, and tolerated it. But, um, you know, civil is, lawsuits, is that a workers comp claim from the other employees I'm have to deal with? I have to rehire all my other employees. It's like some people just don't like guns. And I, I appreciate that. Now I'm also a huge gun advocate, so please don't, you know, it's, I see it both ways as I do often in my job, but there's, there's other reasons. And with the concealed gun stuff, I always tell people, it's like, or ask people maybe rhetorically, it's like, do you need your gun at work? Do you need your gun at the that's, bar? That's why I want to know what he does. We don't, we don't know what he does. Like I say, maybe he's an electrician, you know, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe he's going to work in places where he's like, you know, I'd feel more comfortable with it. Yeah. I don't, we, but see, that's just the thing. Whenever you get asked a fine line question like that, it's like, ah, there's so many variables. I need to know your situation. I need to know what y- you were doing. Yeah. You can't just say, can I go to work? And what is work? That's you, a, are you a fry cook? It's a great point because anybody, I've actually been accused of this. You never answer any of those questions on the blitz. You just start. And, and the reason is what you're talking about because I don't, it's almost impossible to answer a definitive question or a question definitively in law anyway. But doing it in the context of a 10 second uh, discussion is almost impossible. So I look at this as an opportunity to sort of share the issues. Like, here's what we should look at. Here's the things you consider and try to, in, not enlighten, that's not the right word, but try to show people uh, what a what a problem-solving legal analysis looks like. You, you consider all the possible legal issues, discuss them, and then try to make the best decision. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's bright line. Am I allowed to go shoot somebody? Well, no, you're not allowed to do that. But what if I'm going to go shoot somebody while I'm in the course of defending myself? Now it's like, well, it all depends. What if I'm defending somebody else? All depends. What if I have a, you know, there, there's so many what ifs, like you said, you can't answer those questions definitively. But I think that's what makes them fun. It, you know, and that's just it. Like whenever you do uh, your, uh, uh, the focus groups. Yeah. And you're starting to lay things out. And I've noticed a couple of times it's like, you start to paint a picture of what's going on without knowing the characters. You hear some people are blamed, but you don't know what neighborhood they're in. Sometimes you don't know I mean what you, 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 there's so much you don't know. And then that's that's the, and then that pulls it in. We were in uh, we were just, you know, with the comedians there, we were just, where the hell were we? Virginia beach. We were walking back to the hotel and this is, it's not a joke, but it's, it's, it is a joke. It's kind of funny. We're walking back to the hotel. There's this woman sitting on on a bench on a phone call. She's a, uh, you know, middle aged, past middle aged, maybe maybe early sixties, tan skin. You could tell she's a beach. She's been on the beach her whole life. She's sitting there on the phone. She's got a cigarette. And she's like, "Lord knows you got a lot of stress. Got a lot of stress in your life. I have to tell you. I'm gonna tell you something you don't want to hear, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. 
That's just causes cancer. And it was just so funny because this is us walking by and then the rest of the day we couldn't stop talking about this woman sitting on the bench because she's got her and it was it was perfect she had her cool cigarettes and a leather pouch you know where the lighter you go on the side you know this woman like i mean the, she, like the she's, old 70s yeah, yeah. and she's in there and she's talking on that phone she says nah honey i know you got a lot of stress in your life a lot of stress you're probably not gonna like what i got to say but i'm gonna say it anyway that stress cause cancer and as soon as she says that, she takes a draw off her cigarette, and we walk by. Now, we found it very amusing. And getting in the elevator, and then for hours, we just kept going on and on with the scenario. But then something I hadn't thought about was that it had painted a pit. Who's on the other line? Who was she talking to? And we all thought she was talking to somebody different. Yeah. I would think her, uh, one of her sons or one of her children. I was a friend, you know. You got that deadbeat husband. He ain't got no job. And you got that son. He's in and out of jail. You got a lot of stress. And, but you know what I mean? And they all, everybody had, they had, a, they all had something different of who she was talking to on the other line. Yeah. You know, so where we come up with, you know, whenever you're laying out something so short and you don't know the background without realizing it, we draw a picture in our own head of the scenario, assuming that everybody around us is drawing the same picture. Yes. But they're not. They're not. They have a different picture. And you hadn't even thought for a second what's in their picture. Not one second. Yeah. Didn't even cross your mind. And you almost have to throw away what's in your mind in order to force yourself. Yeah. And, you know, until somebody came up, we were talking about because they kept gone, you know. And it was just, it was funny. And then actually, Jason, during his set, two shows after it, brought it up. Because he always says this, he always says where he's at. Virginia Beach, I love it here, having a great time. He's like, I got something. It's not even a joke. Not a joke yet. But then at the end of it, he ends it with, he's like, I just couldn't imagine if she was like this. Yep, daddy, listen, crazy. I got the cancer. Guess I had more stress in my life than I knew. <laughs> Lung cancer from all that stress. You know, and then I was doing bits too. It's like, this. Think, about, think about Sally. She quit smoking. She couldn't have a cigarette. She got stress. Cancer. <laughs> right, you could go... It, you know, so it's almost like a Seinfeld. Bit. Oh, it was, it was, you know, I mean, at the one point we walked in, it was like, was there cameras around? Because it was just too perfect that we walked back and she just, you got a lot of you got a lot of stress in your life. And she just had that voice, you know, she been yeah. smoking cancer. I can just hear Sally quit smoking, gained all kinds of stress without her cigarettes. Next thing you know, cancer. And so, you know, to a point he is kind of writing in a joke on that. And, uh, then we got done with, uh, I do believe it was the last show. And uh, we walked down and we were at a bar next door and there were some uh, patrons from the comedy show that were there came up and talked to us. And uh, two guys, both of them dating, I would, you know what I mean, uh, women, the Asians, they were Asian, you know what I mean, and uh, Pacific. And uh, the one wife, his wife, the one guy, he's like, great job, you know, we loved it. And, and they were just loving the show and going over it. And she said, I've got to, she's talking to me. She's like, I do have an issue with the show. I was like, well, what, what was your issue? She was like, well, you made fun of black people. You made fun of white people. You never made fun of any Asians. <laughs> and she was Asian. And she's Asian. And, she, and so I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it struck me off guard. I had to ask it's, her again. I was, very like, I was like, you're upset because they weren't making fun of Asians? She's like, yeah. And she started going into, she's like, I go to comedy, she's, 
shows all the time. Nobody makes fun of the Asians. And, and once again, she was intoxicated. She'd been drinking. And then I was like, well, you should talk to Kenny about that. Because one time, I mean, sitting around and, and he does a great Asian impersonation. He, he really does. Kenny Mock. Kenny Mock does. And I wanted to f- send her over to there. But anyhow, later on we were talking and she had mentioned it to Jason. And it's just kind of like, when are you going to start making fun of Asians? That's just the weirdest. I mean, people, after these shows, after these comedy shows, you will talk to people and you hear the weirdest things, brother. I, it's, it, but again, I guess that just tell that confirms what I, what I have always thought about comedy. It's just pure, man. It just, it, it, it hits people right at their hearts. It doesn't necessarily, it's not offensive. Like she's not offended by making, she was no, offended she, by the opposite. Yes. She was like, you didn't see us because the other, there were, there were, Two friends, it seemed like, and they both had, one was a wife, one guy was dating, but they're both of Asian descent, two white guys with Asian descent dates. You know, one was a wife, one was just a date. And they were like, you, you, we were right up there. Like, you should have seen us. Not, you don't have one Asian joke? I tell you what, go to JasonBanksComedy.com. <laughs> you can spend $500. We're going to, we'll skewer you all night long. Yeah, well, you can pay for the privilege of getting skewered by, uh, by the comedian. No, it's, that's an interesting twist that I've never heard. And, but, you know, it's it's funny because I have, it seems like Asians are not, well, no, there was that thing that happened last summer, so, or earlier this well, year. That's right. Yeah. So, like, they were almost fair game for a while for everybody. To, you, like, you could still crap on Asians, but <laughs> not anymore. Uh, so, everybody lays off. Now, again, I think the stand-up comedians on stage, they can make fun of whoever they want to make fun of. Well, I guess that's, this is where I'm going, is that when I was talking, I said, remember when he's talking about that lady? It's with all the stress. And she was like, yeah, I was like, that really happened. I was like, and uh, that's kind of what she sounded like, the voice that we're doing here. Yeah, that was I was like, so maybe if that person had been Asian. They would have been made fun of, right? You know, maybe nothing to do with their identity. I was like, you know, I don't know if we can write anything out of this, but a lot of these come from, you know, the. You could probably there's truce. There's it's a lot of a lot of jokes and a lot of stand up comedies are fishing stories. All right. You know what I mean? You caught a bass. Next thing you know, you caught a five-pound bass. Right. Next you thing you know, you know what I mean? Boy, it was a net, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. they, you know, the fish, they just, they grow a little bit. Premised you know? on a little bit of reality and yes. it's embellished for... So you embellish there, you, you, you stretch it out to make it funny. And uh, so, you know, he's working on something with her and I kind of like what he's got, but he's like this, yeah, cancer. Guess I had more stress than I thought. You know what I mean? She wouldn't blame it on the cigarette, right? Right. The, the it obvious, would have to be the stress. Lung cancer. All the stress. No way it's the alcohol, the <laughs> tobacco, or yeah, no. any of the other known carcinogens. No, yeah. it was the stress. It's, and, it, you know what I mean? So that is, there is a joke there. But that joke was because we were walking down, in, you know what I mean, in, in front of a hotel where there's a bench. It's a perception. You just see something funny, and he perceive, you perceive it, you document it. And you, I think the Asian thing's a great joke. I mean, like, I, could, I bet if we spent five minutes, we could make that even funnier. You know, it's like they're coming up, and she wants to be made fun of. Just start with that premise. It just seems so funny. Does uh, anybody want to be made fun of here? Like, because I left an Asian out, and she was not happy. Right. Um, you know, I mean, but it's, it, it, you know, it, it goes from, from it, it, the reality and what people perceive things as. Yeah, and I, I guess this is why, I mean, look, I just find a lot of these wokesters, these these late night, whoever these people are, 
trying to avoid making fun of anybody, it just becomes unfunny because it's it's not real. You know, it's not it's not premised upon you walking down the beach and seeing something really really happen, and then developing comedy out of it. It's like you have to you have to sanitize everything, and it just becomes not funny. Yeah, we're we're and he'll he, and Jason's act there because he is the TikTok you know big following. You know, I mean six million followers. And he goes through and he kind of explains that he got into TikTok because of the pandemic. And then now that it's even kicking back up, though, he'll say it's about, you know, I mean, a 12 minute bit to eight minutes. And then at the end, he'll be like, that's what I did during the pandemic. What did you guys do? We'll start over here. And he usually he doesn't do a lot of crowd work, but he'll pick somebody out. And sometimes they'll say, well, I didn't do anything or I have a job. He'll, I worked. What did you do? And then he'll kind of go from there, maybe make a pun or a joke out of that. Uh one time, because he does it each show, one show, this guy, he's like, what did you do? Ah, he's like, uh, I work for the city. And he's like, you know, and then he goes into something and this one guy yells out, 12, or whatever is it, 12 or 21, whatever the cop number is. And the guy was a cop. This one guy called him out because he wouldn't say what he was. The guy called him out as a cop. He's like, he looks like a cop. Even some other, you know, patron. And then... uh one guy said this too. He's like, uh, "What did you do?" He's like, "Ah, oh, he said something." He's like, "Jason looks at me." He's like, "Really?" He was like, "Cause you look like you grow weed." <laughs> and after the show, he came up and showed him pictures of his plants. Really? So he just nailed it. But now, what was funny is that uh, in in uh, Virginia, you can grow four plants. All right. Well. So he was he, he he was like, "I I do have a job, but I do also grow weed. I grow weed too." <laughs> you know. So because. Yeah, you know what I mean? Once again, all laws are different, you know what I mean, on that, you know, from state to state. Yeah, that's a tough one to keep up on. And uh, dare we ask the federal government to standardize that? Boy, uh, I, would have to, yeah, I don't know, man. It might be easier to leave it up to the states. Let's just put that in line behind the effort. They just need to decriminalize it. That's all. If they can do that, then let it go. Yeah. That's all they need to do. They need to drop the federal, uh, you know what I mean, they, they need to change it. From the classification that it's in, just get it out. Get out of the way is really what they need get, to do. All they need to do is get out of the way. Of course, I believe the, the federal way. government needs to get away, out of the way of almost everything. But uh, that's that. Well, look, I did have a question. I, I was going to an- answer this last week, and we got tied up talking about other stuff. But I did have a question on the Lawyer Talk podcast uh, website. Somebody, and I, for whatever reason, actually, I know the reason, but there's a lot of appeals going on. And I think what's happened is you have all these people whose trials were delayed, and they were delayed because of COVID. And courts were closed, and now they're jammed up, and they're forcing everybody. They're just cramming trials in, and people are getting convicted. So I'm getting a lot of questions on appellate stuff. And one of them uh, had to do with this idea that there was a witness that wasn't called, and they wanted to try to use that witness on the in the appeal. It, it's confusing, but I'm going to try to simplify it. What we call that in law is something called newly discovered evidence. So here's the scenario. You've just been convicted. You had a felony trial or a misdemeanor trial. You just got convicted and you were found guilty and you want to appeal. You're first going to go and do something called a direct appeal. That's going to go right to the court of appeals in the county where you sit. And what you're going to do is you're going to present all the legal issues from your trial or before your trial and say, judge, they didn't play by the rules they broke the rules and it was so unfair that I deserve a new trial or even in some situations I deserve to be fully acquitted and you just need to discharge me. Let me go home. What you can't do on direct appeal is offer newly discovered evidence. You can't say, yeah, but I have this new witness or yeah, but I have this new document or yeah, but now the science says this, that's called newly discovered evidence. 
you have to raise that on something called post-conviction relief. It's too complicated to go into, but suffice it to say, you have to go back to the trial court and and find a way to get that new evidence in in a constitutional uh, challenge to the conviction. And that goes back to the trial court. And you can do that at the same time you're on your direct appeal. But generally speaking, newly discovered evidence is defined as evidence that was not available at the time of trial. What does that mean? It means if your lawyer sucked, and you had a great witness, and your lawyer didn't call that witness, guess what? That witness was available at the time of trial. Your lawyer just didn't call the witness. And that was the question that we had. They had a witness that wasn't called. It doesn't mean you can't raise it, but now it is. Now it becomes, on post-conviction, ineffective assistance of counsel under the Sixth Amendment. So I could go for hours on stuff like that, but uh, there's a lot of those questions coming up because people are getting convicted and appeals sounds like a lot of stress, Steve. And a lot of stress. Appeals cause cancer. Believe me, I know. I, appeals, I oh, that's a lot of stress. Indeed. Paying and, you, that's a lot of stress. Gonna give me cancer. Yeah, yeah. It uh, the the price tag will cause you stress. That'll cause cancer. You might as well just smoke. <laughs> deal with the deal with the anxiety and the stress by smoking cigarettes. But uh, anyway, the uh, as always, ask your questions. Go to lawyertalkpodcast.com. Check us out at Ohio Legal Defense. If you really need some legal help, put my number in your phone, as we always have said, 614-224-6142. And on the podcast side, we got uh, Brett with Circle 270 Media. He couldn't sit in today, but he's uh, we got some fairly famous folks coming in here to take a look at the studio, maybe uh, start using it, doing some recording, doing some audio and video work. We have lots of options down here now. we got a set that we can do uh, professional streaming. We can do uh, recorded video. We can do uh, informal, formal Jared, you come in with the comedians and do a lot of TikTok type stuff uh, with uh, with your, with uh, that crew. Um, we got Photo Dan doing uh, a lot of stuff with uh, all sorts of uh, businesses, advertisers, etc. So we're open for business. Look us up at channel511.com. Um, it sounds good. Why? Because Freddie B makes it sound good. Looks good. Why? Because Photo Dan makes it look good. And the show content is awesome. Why? Because both Jared and I are here making the content sound, look, and be good. So that has been Lawyer Talk off the air, on the record, off the record, on the air, whatever it is, at least until now.